Wow, a lot has happened since our last The Bear Debate show. So we'll see what the guys have to say about all of the latest, and in particular, talk about players like Kendall Vildor and see what his future might be with the Chicago Bears. And we'll also go up the ladder and talk about the very top of the organization, what kind of changes might be necessary there. All that and a lot more on this week's episode of The Bear Debate. Welcome, everybody. I'm Aldo Gandia, and uh, it is great to be back after taking some time off for the Thanksgiving Day holiday. And we are back with a great episode planned here for the Bear Debate. We bring in our debaters, starting with John Buffon. John, how are you, brother? I'm doing good, Aldo. Feeling good off of that holiday break, ready to start talking some bears again, as frightening as that may sound. <laughs> Yeah, this was a, since we've been off, it's been a hellacious time. And we're going to get your thoughts on that. And along with this gentleman here, his name is Tyler Ellis. Tyler, how are you? I'm amazing, brother. Even when I'm not, like Brother John said, we, we took on those carbs. Now we can yell about the bears and burn them off. Let's go. <laughs> yes, sir. The good news is, is that there was a victory, at least, on Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Day. So, it, you know, that. as ugly as it was, it didn't ruin it for you, did it, guys? <laughs> It's it, it's almost to the point where you're indifferent because even when they win, you the people are pissed off. So it doesn't it doesn't really matter. How about that? How true. How about you, Tyler? Did uh, were you uh, at least uh, enjoying your Thanksgiving Day meal? Oh, I was going to enjoy it, but no matter what, like I'm, <laughs> I had to emotionally cut ties just a little bit because you got to, like John said, it's acceptance is healthy, and so you kind of just got to just take it for what it is. I just think it was laughable that um we went toe to toe with the, <laughs> with the windless lions and so it was, it was a very it was a thriller down to the end with the detroit lions and um thriller i never want to i never i never want to root for my team to lose an nfl game i just don't want that but um yes next yeah <laughs> i'm with you these are difficult times for chicago bears fans from a lot of perspectives but one of them is is that kind of want them to lose but you also don't want to experience loss so it is uh, another weird season we're just kind of in the twilight zone going over and over and over again guys what do you say should we get started with our debate let's jump into it well let's just tell people that we've got 10 rounds of debate no break this time we're just going to go straight through this 10 round heavyweight fight between john buffon and tyler ellis we're going to discuss several issues and we begin of course with round one Round one. While we were away, the Bears organization found themselves in the middle of a melodrama that had the national media again 
making fun of the Bears' dysfunction. It started with Alan Robinson's podcast co-host, who said that Matt Nagy had lost the clubhouse. The next day, a former award-winning journalist claimed that the Bears had told Matt Nagy that he would be fired the day after coaching the Lions game. Making things incredibly unsettling were fans at the Bulls, Blackhawks, and even at Nagy's son's high school football game chanting for the ouster of the embattled head coach. It all led to George McCaskey addressing the team and assuring players that their head coach's job was safe. All that happened in a week where the Bears had only three games to prepare for the Lions game. Is there someone to blame for this fiasco? And if so, who? Tyler, start us off. Um, I blame Matt Nagy. <laughs> I mean, if he was if he was winning, it wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> and so, not to not to um, kick a man when he's down, but like, what did you think was gonna happen if you let if you let something simmer for too long? Eventually, it's gonna boil. At some point. I mean, Bears fans are spending money for a product on the field, and they're not getting their just due. I mean, how many more years, how many more excuses, how many more whys? I mean, we, we got to put accountability with the leadership. Look, the front office and the ownership are to blame. The way they conduct this franchise is not on par with the professional football team. Sometimes they guard everything like they're protecting the nuclear codes. And because the franchise is in so much internal disarray, a report like this actually gains traction. Because number one, it's believable that the Bears would pre-fire a coach going into a game. And number two, no one likes to take charge in this franchise. So it's always the media and social media that gets to drive the narrative with the Chicago Bears. Interesting. I love the approach there, guys. I'm with you. I mean, uh, but but I got to ask, do you think that Bears organization should have reacted earlier to this report? Greg Gabriel says, no, you don't want to give it credence uh, because if you do it, you're going to have to do it all the time. But this is from a kind of somebody who was a respected journalist, at least at one point in his career. What do you think, John? You think the Bears management should have jumped in early and, and closed yes. the situation? Because it's not like Joe Blow on Twitter just made something up. It was from a respected reporter. And guess who had to field the questions the first time around? Chris Tabor, your special teams coach, had to go out and be a meat shield in front of the media and try to address all these questions. So, yeah, take responsibility when these actual reports come down so you don't have to deal with all this crap going up into a game. You know what happens? George McCaskey or Adam or Ryan Pace comes out and says, those are completely untrue. It can be a written statement. It can be a tweet. It can be anything. Always, all you have to do is say, that's simply not true. Instead of sending your special teams coach out there to get bombarded with a bunch of questions about whether or not the head coach is still going to be around next week. The problem, but John, the situation is, why is it not true? It should be true. Like, 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 <laughs> I'm not, not going to get caught up in, in the nonsense of talking about what they should have done. The fact of the matter is you should do it. And the longer we drag it out, the more these questions are going to come up time and time again. I'm tired of talking about it. I'm just rooting for my bulls right now. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, bro, it should be true. Ryan Pace, it should be true. My question is, I don't want to jump the gun. Where the hell is Ryan Pace at? Ryan McCaskey doing all this talking. Where's my GM at? But I know we're going to get there. We will indeed get there. So let's move on to round a two and see what we've got cooking for you guys. Round two, 
On Thanksgiving, the Bears managed to win after a last-second Cairo Santos field goal. The victory was an emotional win for Nagy as he was given the game ball by his players, but for many Bears fans, the win was hollow. The Lions are winless this year, and they are the biggest laughingstock in the league, but they almost upset the Chicago Bears. John, you begin this round. Characterize this win for us. Was it meaning loss, meaningless in a lost year, or is there a positive that some Bears fans might be missing? It, it seems like we always have this conversation after a Lions game, doesn't it? I'll be honest, this game did little to nothing for me. It was a competition to see who could be the most incompetent. It was a last-second win over the absolute worst team in the league, a win that has no impact on the playoff picture, with a quarterback that won't be on the team next year, with a head coach that probably won't be on the team next year. In that scenario, I'm not going to get too hyped up about it. They probably aren't making t-shirts for Matt Nagy's emotional win, and I doubt they're going to make a 30-for-30 about it. Not much for me. Honestly, gentlemen, like if, even if we would have like destroyed them, which is what I would expect I want from my team, is the fact of the matter is I was not going to be caught off by fool's gold. I don't care if the Bears won by 21 points. The fact of the matter is I know we're supposed to be debating, but John is freaking right. Mediocrity. If we beat the Lions, what does that mean? I want to win a damn playoff game. I want to go to Super Bowl. What are we talking about? Beating the Lions isn't beating anything. I want to win the games that matter. Beating the Lions, this means you're practicing good, and we couldn't even do that right. <laughs> and, and, I'll, and I'll push back just a little bit. Had they won by 21, then you can say this team rallied around their embattled head coach, and they didn't like all those reports, and they went out and they played for Matt Nagy, and they beat the Lions by 21, 24, 28 points. But they couldn't even do that. They had to rally around their coach to beat the winless team by in a last-second field goal. So the fact that they – Barely one right. is even worse for me, John. And you make a we make a really good point because the, the fact of the matter is two things: one, we were still like we almost lost the damn game. That's one. <laughs> we almost lost the game if it wasn't for like three or four explosive plays. But like let's let, let's take some emotions out of it. When you're in a fight, when you when, when it's really time to lace up, you're not thinking about who's on the sideline. So rallying around your coach, rah rah rah, man, shut up. When the when the lights come on. It's you versus you. You a football player. I expected yeah. the Bears to win because, like, I'm looking at my team. I'm looking at these guys that have an opportunity to play. You see that my man Tyler Heineke for the Washington team. He's taking advantage of an opportunity to play. He's like, man, I don't know how many more opportunities. I'm going to get a chance to start in the NFL. Let me take full advantage of it now. I don't care what he say. I don't care what she say. I'm going to ball out because I'm, I'm playing for next year. So yeah. it's on the athlete that earned the right to be on the field to ball out. Sometimes the coach is for preparation, but once the game is on, it's on the player. You know what's funny is uh, if the Bears didn't have Justin Fields for the foreseeable future, hopefully the long-term future, oh Heineke would be a guy that we'd be talking about. Should he be yeah. the Bears quarterback next year? Should they go after them? Should they bring him in? He's like the prototypical, we can make something out of that guy. He I, had. A I said it to myself, John. I said that to myself. I said he looks like a fighter. He looks like I <laughs> <laughs> could be a Bears guy. Yeah, they they could they could maybe get a couple wins out of that guy. Hey John, here's something unusual. Somebody wanted to see the Bears lose just to see your reaction. That's Chris Watts, <laughs> our buddy from across the pond. <laughs> Chris, why do you want why do you want that from me, man? I'm my, my, this, this team's already taking years off my life. Okay, you gotta I got I gotta keep the blood pressure down on the holidays. I'll tell you what though, having this game on Thanksgiving, it was the ultimate distraction because when they when they pissed me off, I was just like, you know what? 
I'm going to go grab another piece of pie. Yeah, they're doing, they, it's a three and out. You know what? I'm grabbing another turkey leg. It was, it was the ultimate distraction to not, I wish they played on every major holiday because then I wouldn't, then I wouldn't have, I'd have that good distraction. Uh, like, bro, that's you, you, were, you were right. You were so right. I was like, oh, whatever. <laughs> Tyler, what do you think about what Bruce Ali and Walter Jordan says? He says the Lions coach is the only one I'd prefer an Aggie over. <laughs> I don't know. Cause I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. I, I don't know because I kind of feel like, we would win a playoff game with that coach. I, 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 I kind of feel indifferent. About, I kind of feel indifferent because think about it. The, the Lions tied the Steelers. The Lions are missing key players, but yet the Lions are battling with teams. So, like, you got a coach who doesn't have all the top talent, but his players are fighting. That's what a coach does. Mm-hmm. So, like, well, so what a coach can do with limited talent speaks highly about the character and preparation in the system. And that's what the Washington team is doing when you don't have talent. So that coach with the Bears, because I feel like we got some talent. I know team, everybody can say we suck and everything, but I actually like some of our skill position guys. I like, I personally do like some pieces of our roster. And I feel like the right guy could get the most out of them. Yeah, it's unbelievable how putrid this Lions roster is. The previous general manager and coach, both both of them from New England, just left that team in a shambles. And they're going to get the number one overall draft pick, and there's just not a quarterback or a consensus all around uh, number one pick for them to take advantage of that. It's That's an unlucky franchise. We think if we have it bad here in Chicago. We just need to look to Detroit and feel a little sure. bit better. <laughs> all right, let's move on to round number three. Round three, Andy Dalton was 24 out of 39 for 317 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and was sacked once. This against, of course, the Lions. When you look at Dalton's numbers, his averages on on completion percentages are what they have been throughout his career. It's a small sample size, but his interception percentage is at a career low. And in the two games he started and finished, his yards per game are at career averages. Now, if things went according to Matt Nagy's plans, right, and Dalton had been the starter all season, how many more wins would the Bears have, and would they be in a better position to earn a playoff spot? Tyler, you're up. I was hoping John was going first. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to say. It's truly, truly hard to say. I pers- I have nothing against Andy Dalton. He's a man coming in here trying to play a football game, trying to trying to keep his career going. If Kyle Orton could hold um, a, a clipboard for years, I mean, let, let, let Dalton do his thing. Could he have wins? Yes. Why is that so? Was Matt Nagy more prepared to start Andy Dalton all offseason long? Obviously, because Justin Fields didn't get reps with um Allen Robinson. And so Andy Dalton, but we know who he is. We know what Andy Dalton yeah. is from Cincinnati Bengals. We know what we're going to get from Look, him. Go ahead. I think they barely have any more wins, if any, with Andy Dalton. You think that game plan against Cleveland would have produced any more with Andy Dalton? The guy had under two seconds to throw the ball. How about, how about against Tampa Bay when they got blown out by 35 points? Justin Fields actually had a pretty decent game against San Francisco, and he was the reason they were in the game against the Steelers. So that basically leaves Green Bay, unless you think that a full game of Andy Dalton uh, would have beaten Tyler Huntley and the Ravens. But I can't say for certain that Andy Dalton would have beaten the Packers. That's why I think maybe one extra win, but there's really no way of knowing that. It is. 
Go ahead. I was going to say because it's, it's kind of slippery slope because Andy Dalton's ankle hindered him. And so, therefore, without the line, we felt it would have been a lot more sacks. But then it sucks because the pass protection, Justin Fields was still getting the hit. So it was like, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Andy Dalton really can't move in the pocket, but Justin Fields still taking a lot of hits. It's like, I, it's like it's, it's it's very, very weird. And I'm just really just done with the coaching staff. Yeah. And, and quite frankly – if you're if you're gonna nickel and dime and say Andy Dalton would have gotten us one more win, is that worth not getting any reps for Justin Fields? In my opinion, no. What do you think is the biggest problem with Justin Fields getting taking all of these hits that he has in his young career? Is it more the offensive line, or is it more on him for perhaps holding the ball a little too long, not making those quick decisions? What do you think, John? It's it's both. I know that's a cheap way to say it, but it's absolutely both because they, they, if he had a really good line, then he'd be able to process things a little bit uh, more. I think he is holding on to the ball a little bit too long, maybe trying to make the perfect play, or maybe he's going through the progressions a little bit slower. I'm not in the practices, so I can't really tell for sure. Uh, but that's something that's going to get better. I, I think that people saying that Justin Fields can't scan a defense and he can't make the reads, I think that's all BS. I think that he's a rookie quarterback. Look at all look at all the rookie quarterbacks. Uh, maybe maybe Sands Mac Jones but look at all the struggles that these rookie quarterbacks are are having uh, right now. So uh, I think that he is just trying to get into the groove, get up to the speed, and he's doing fine. He's just he does he does take too many hits, and he needs to get rid of the ball a little bit quicker. That's one thing that Andy Dalton does do better. But when I referenced the Cleveland game, what, what 1.9 seconds I think was one of the sacks. Andy Dalton ain't getting rid of the ball in 1.9 seconds. Nobody is because that's less. That's less. That's less. Then the fastest release in the NFL, which is Ben Roethlisberger, which is over that. I think is I forget what the actual number is, but it was well below the average. It was well below the average. Tyler, what do you think about what Matthew says here? He says uh, Justin Fields breaking his ribs in college and now in the pros worries him. Does it worry you too? It, it it highly disturbs me because it disturbs me because I, I don't. The reason why I, I wouldn't mind seeing any daughter rest of the season because. I, I'm no longer in a position where I trust Matt Nagy. I don't. I, I can't. I can't get a read on him. I don't know if he's coaching to put the players in the best position. I don't know if he's if he's coaching to prove a point that he was right about Andy Dalton. I just don't know. And since, since I don't want to assume, I don't want to put Justin Fields' health because it seems that's that's what's at stake here. Justin Fields, our future's health. Matt Nagy, Justin Fields will be here longer than Matt Nagy will be. Um, we could kind of just sense that. So does, does Matt Nagy feel some kind of way? It does worry me, Aldo, because it's like, Nagy, are you going to do things to a point that this kid is hurt? And then, then we're going to blame it on that. And so it does worry me because who's developing this young man? Yeah, uh, perhaps a paramedic may need to develop him if he's going to uh, continue to get hit the way he has. There's There's been some vicious hits this season. It started in, in the preseason when we saw that uh, yeah. Buffalo Bills uh, linebacker knock his helmet off. But hopefully uh, those days are going to be far and few in between, if at all. So let's go on to round four. Andy Dalton was the first quarterback to pass for over 300 yards for the Bears since Nick Foles posted 305 yards on November 8th of 2020. That's over a year ago. I've got three potential reasons for why this has happened. Please choose the one reason, the biggest reason for this unsettling statistic. Is it poor coaching and game planning, bad quarterbacking, overall less than average personnel on offense? 
John, start us off. <laughs> well, I have a feeling this isn't going to be much of a debate debate as much as it's an angry agreement, but it's poor <laughs> coaching and game planning. We see the same system regardless of whether it's a mobile quarterback like Mitchell Trubisky and Justin Fields or a stationary guys like Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. We've seen protection uh, issues ignored, which makes the quarterback a sitting duck. We've seen dinks and dunks and the lack of explosive plays. If it was just the same quarterback for this entire stretch, then I guess you could have a scapegoat. But you've had four guys. It's on you, man. Shout out to my man, Chris Gonzalez, in the chat, man. He's absolutely right. John, you're right. It is an anger debate. That The, the question just angers me because it reminds me of what we have. Like, yes, it's, it's coaching in the system and scheme. It doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter who we have. Guys, it's been four years, and we're in the bottom third in offense. Um, The last 45 games – out of 20 times, the Bears have scored zero points in the first half. I mean, it's not even a debate anymore. It's just like, why is he still here, respectfully? Yeah. I'm surprised you guys didn't push back and say it's all three. I I, tr- I expect especially John to say that because, you know, <laughs> the, the scheme and the coaching is bad. There, there's no debating that. But boy, oh boy, this roster is depleted of playmakers, especially now with A-Rob hurt. And A-Rob has not really been a factor all season, maybe since game one against the Rams, which was a loss. But man, there's there's a lot of fingers uh, that we can point all, all the way around. One of the things that I keep pointing to is just Ryan Pace has done a really poor job with developing this roster. He hasn't helped his coach at all. So he's he's picked a poor head coach and he's picked some really bad players. I mean, this roster is really, really sucky right now. Aldo, and to that point, the reason why it's hard for me just to say the players, because at the end of the day, we're talking about, I'm going to throw it, you run and catch it. That's <laughs> keep it simple. I, I, I'm watching Trevor Simeon do that in St. Louis. I'm, I'm watching these other guys step in the rows and just do that. And I'm like, wait a minute. They're just playing catch. It's freaking football. Like, yo, what are we talking? And, like, in Chicago, why does it got to be this mathematical equation on how to get people open to throw the ball to? For us, it's a struggle. When how, When's the last time? Can we count how many times this year that we got three consecutive passes in a row? Three consecutive first downs. It seems like the majority of the NFL can do that regardless of their, if they're a top-tier quarterback or not. We've seen Teddy Bridgewater. We've seen even like the Washington Redskins. I'm gonna keep talking about the Redskins right now. The Washington freaking Redskins. They beat that yo, but they did the Tampa Bay. But they what they did the Tampa Bay, how they won down the stretch. And they're doing it without their top two defensive stars. It's incredible. And so the, with the, I hear you with the players out though, but I feel like at the end of the day, if you have if you have a, a vision in place that we're gonna go out here and we're gonna give it our freaking all then you can make up for um for the lack of talent with work ethic. It, I mean, we're not talking about talent to win a Super Bowl or talent to win, uh, you know, 10 games or 11 games. We're talking about talent to get 300 yards passing. And throughout this stretch, there have been enough there's been enough talent on the roster that they should be able to throw for 300 yards in a game. Right. Whenever it's different players, because we're talking about a year ago and people weren't all hurt. They were, there were games when the roster was at hundred percent or at least partial almost there. 
Even a blind squirrel will find a nut every once in a while. The fact that you can't get to 300 yards, even in a bad performance, even in a losing effort. We see losing quarterbacks throw for 300 yards all the time. The fact that you can't do that, especially when you're playing from behind and you have to throw the ball a lot, you're still not getting to 300 yards. So that had, for me, that's saying your scheme sucks. That yeah. means you're not putting plays on the field that can actually gain yards. Whenever they're the other teams in a prevent defense, you're probably going to lose, but you should at least have a pretty good stat line. They can't even do that. And the talent isn't so putrid that you think that, oh, there's no way that they're going to pass for 300 yards. There's there's their opportunities there. When you have a when you have when you have talent like Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney and you know the tight end shows a little bit of a promise there. You should at least be able to get one 300 yard game. I'm not saying consistently, but one would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We, we might have to change the name of the show, bro, because we're supposed to be debating. But, 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 but I it's, feel like, it's hard to debate with I, I this. It's like, hard to debate a bad team. Yeah. God, I feel like me and you are the Hardy Boys, bro. I feel like we, are, we could be a, a tag team, bro. <laughs> <laughs> off, the tur- right. off the turnbuckle. He's right. He's right. <laughs> Listen, if they were a borderline, like, Super Bowl contender and they were screwing stuff up, then we could go over We could debate what's going wrong. It's obvious. Like it's like I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to come on any show and just take pretend like I'm taking the opposite uh opposite side right. as Aldo tells me to um, but, but, but it's just it's just obvious yeah it hasn't gone well when I tell you guys to take opposite sides. <laughs> I find a way to craft it back to my own <laughs> we might have to start talking about the Steelers or somebody yeah. <laughs> that. all right let's finish off the first half with round five round five leads me to the Bears overall organization last week Dan Pompey wrote in The Athletic that it was time for the Bears to bring in a president of football operations. This is what he wrote. What the Bears need is a president of football operations in charge of hiring, firing, and supervising the general manager and the head coach. The roles of the general manager and the coach don't have to change much, only the person they report to. The president of football operations should be what they call a football person. That means he has spent his life's work concerning himself with the players and plays that decide outcomes. Better if he was one of those players before becoming someone who oversaw them. Is Dan Pompey correct or is Greg Gabriel, the former director of scouting for the Bears, correct when he told me that it's just another level of top management that you don't need? It's the general manager's job to be the head of football operations. So, Tyler, tell me who is right. Is it Dan Pompey who wants an executive in charge of football operations? Or is it Greg Gabriel who just wants a better general manager? Um, I'm going to I'm going to take the latter and say they're both right. They're both right because the general manager isn't doing his job. So since the general manager is not doing his job, and then you got the president doing his job, I like that. I like what Pompey said because it has to be said. I got into a d- dispute with one of the reporters on Twitter a couple of weeks ago because I feel like the media wasn't holding the team accountable. So at least with these kind of reports, it shows that there's something off, and it's so obvious you got to do something. I'm probably not going to play devil advocate 
devil's advocate on this one either. If the Bears' top brass had a track record of bringing in good general managers, then stick with the formula. But this franchise needs a culture change and a shakeup to their procedures. I understand they could screw up the hire of this football person too. But honestly, the Chicago Bears need as many football minds in the building as possible. And let Ted Phillips count money and let the McCaskies count money, and then let some football people actually run the team. Yes. And when was that When was that report When was that report coming out? When did that come out? Uh, Dan Pompey wrote that last week. In the That's athletic. awesome, man. We need to make that go viral because I just – I get I get upset when I – I get upset when the media try to make us feel good about what we're seeing. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, bro, don't tell me I'm not seeing what I'm seeing. And so – and that's when – and I feel like that gives the team lead weight. Like the, the, the team pays them – no, y'all better not publish anything good or be shutting you down. Like, that's like crooked stuff. But so I just like the fact that the media is actually typing some not just emotional crap, but like, bro, let's let's institute some type of different structure here. Because at least it gets them thinking. At least it gets, I just feel like, at least it gets them thinking, hold their feet to the fire or something. I, I'm just, uh, real quick... <sighs> I'm I'm over and I, this is this is probably going to be my theme of the 2021 season. Throw away the adage this is the way it's always been done. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of hearing the Bears have never fired a coach or you know they've never had a director of football operations or they never done this, they never done that. That's why you're losing because you found a losing formula and you refuse to divert from it. You refuse this is tradition. This is the Chicago Bears. You have a tradition of losing. You have a tradition of mediocrity you have a tradition of underperforming if that's what you want to stay with go ahead but i think if you're going to stick to this is the way we've always done it you ain't going anywhere and the fans are are finally at a boiling point now i know they're usually at a boiling point but it's at an all-time high right now tyler what do you think about what Laz says he says it does no good if the president of football operations is picked by george and ted I mean, damn, that's another good point. <laughs> they, 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 gonna, it is. I agree, but they're gonna pick the they're gonna they're gonna pick the GM then, right? No, John, John, John. Are they gonna are they gonna hire another consultant to hire no, the GM? It's gonna be the cousin. It's gonna be the cousin that owned that owned the barbecue store. It's gonna yeah, be the- yeah. Whoever whoever is the cook. That's like, right. hey, who do you think should hey. be our general manager? I oh, like my boy Larry. He watches every game. You want a job? Come on. Yeah. We're hiring. <laughs> The waitress at the diner, right, John? Yeah. You need a you need a job? Well, we don't yeah, we don't do anything on the internet. We've never done stuff. We've never done it that way. Here, here's a form. Hey, Fill it out and then mail hey, it. You, sa- you save me 50% of my car insurance. You looking for a job? Yeah. Oh man. GM. <laughs> Capologist. And, oh, and, and Chris, Chris just said right there, with Chris, said, I've been hearing Olin Cruz's name a lot. I've been hearing his name a lot and different. And I like Olin. I love him. I I try to plug into the score when I hear Olin talking because he doesn't hold back. And I, I just love that raw stuff. And I've been hearing his name a lot. I don't know about the head coach and stuff like that, but as a consultant, the I, this is one thing that I've heard. The Bears haven't utilized the, the resource that they have in the veteran player personnel to come in and give perspective and say, hey, man, what could we be doing? What could we be doing for the team? What can get not get us back to the glory days, but we know what winning looks like. We, we we know what we should we should know what it looks because we should know what it's not, and it's, oh, we're, we we're, it's we're, not. we're in a downtrend. We have we're having newer lo- we're having newer lows, and so like at the end of the day, it's getting frustrating. They're chanting fire Nagy at every single sporting event because it's a volcano. I mean, it's a vo- right or wrong. It's a volcano now. First, 
we was mad about Nagy week two, week two, maybe of last season, year, last year, right? <laughs> so like <laughs> we was talking last year. Hey, I was trying to prevent this. I told y'all I was trying to prevent this from happening. They didn't want to listen. So now you got to deal with the bed. You, you you made this bed, and so mm. right now you gotta now you gotta fix it, and now you gotta fix it ugly, and everybody's looking at you. Mm. One of the interesting names that uh, Dan Pompey offered up, in fact, all four of the ones that he suggested for consideration, the one that, that I never would have thought of was Trace Armstrong, the former Chicago Bears defensive lineman, who is now a, a high-powered uh, financial consultant. He's the partner and president of coaches and executives division athletes first. So it's more of a it's it's more of not not a financial company but a management company of athletes and so forth. So he's got. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sounds a lot like Ted Phillips. <laughs> really, but he is a football person. He's played football and uh, so he's been around football since his retirement. Another name, uh, the three other names that he came up with: Tony Dungy uh, of NBC Sports, Ozzy Newsom, the current executive vice president of the Ravens. And Rick Smith, who is the former executive vice president of football operations for the Houston Texans. Those are all interesting names, guys who know football, guys who could come in here. And whoever the general manager is, they, they could probably have some really good discussions about player personnel, about handling issues like this past week and so forth, uh, and probably get a lot better results. Any of those names intrigue you, Tyler? I mean, I, I mean, I, I want to say it, it was Ozzy, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, it was Ozzy for me, but I know he's retired. I know he's right off into the sunset. And um, he look, 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 look a, a great of a guy, Ozzy. He said, hey, guys, I'm out of here. But with my last first round pick, here's Lamar Jackson. <laughs> here you go. I'm leaving, but here's my last first round pick. Take that with you. <laughs> like, yeah. you, he could have easily been like, screw this team. I'm going to pick the worst one I've ever seen ever. <laughs> but, like, no, I, I, I like that name. I truly, but I don't know if he will come back out of retirement. Maybe you for the right for the right price and everything. Money talks, I mean, baby. Money, money does talk, but that's intriguing. But it's like, I don't want to get my hypes up and don't get me all happy thinking about this type of stuff. I like when I want to know when are those conversations being had and who's having those conversations because how much say so does Ryan Pace have? Like, we just don't know how much of their fingers, their, how much does Ryan Pace have his grips into the minds of the ownership already? They convinced them to stay this year. Like, that's what was the, that's what the whole thing for me. I don't mean to go so long, but like, the whole thing from last year was give us one more chance. We're going to get this thing on the right ship. Yo, we found out real quick that it wasn't going to be that. Just by the way you handle your freaking quarterback. Your freaking quarterback got destroyed, like embarrassed, like on his first – like you did that to your, your rookie quarterback, your future asset. You finally get a top talent. This is what you do. You were this unprepared. I don't want nothing to do with you anymore. Mm -hmm. Like seriously, like what, bro? This is what you. This is what you. This is what I kept you for. So like, <laughs> off that, off that merit, it should be like they they should have no longer say so. And that's why I kind of don't want Ryan Pace or Matt Nagy making any more personnel decisions. It should go to whoever's coming on to take on next. Very good. Where are we? Round six or seven? Who knows? Oh, <laughs> Let's try round six. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Round six. Over the past two games, Darnell Mooney has moved into the Bears' number one wide receiver role because of an injury to Allen Robinson. 
Against the Ravens, he was targeted 16 times and caught five passes for 121 yards and one touchdown. Against the Lions, he was targeted eight times and added another 123 yards. So without A-Rob, that's 10 receptions over two games for 244 yards. With the possibility of A-Rob signing another contract with the Bears looking more remote with each passing week, do you think that Mooney can step into the number one wide receiver role in 2022, or do the Bears need to pursue a top-ranked free agent wide receiver during the offseason? John, you start the second half. I will preface this by saying I love Darnell Mooney. I was the one that actually mocked him to the Bears before he got drafted. That being said, I fear that the Juju effect could come into play just a little bit. That, of course, is referring to what happened to Juju Smith-Schuster after Antonio Brown left Pittsburgh. I know these circumstances are different, but it could happen. I think the Bears will absolutely go after a low-end wide receiver one in free agency to offset Mooney. I don't know if they get a Chris Godwin, but maybe they do bring in a Juju Smith-Schuster or maybe a Mike Williams who's with the Chargers right now. I mean, I think it really depends on what our goals are for next year. I mean, like, John, like whoever our coach is, what is the mission statement for next year? Do we just want to be competitive? Are we coming out here? We want to win our division? I love Darnell Mooney. He's, He's a wide receiver who can catch the ball. And when you throw him the ball, he's going to catch it. Oh, wow. What, so it's such an amazing thing. But the fact that it matters, we we barely target, like, downfield. Like, I'm going to go a little bit over. The, the Ravens are, like, bottom third in secondary performance, but we didn't attack them into the, into the fourth quarter in the secondary. So Darnell Mooney can get open. He can't catch the ball with the more reps you give him. And so it's just like, can he step into the wide receiver role? Things change when you get the number one DB on you. Mm-hmm. Let's just remember that. When you have the number one DB, that also the, 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 the strong side safety is looking at you too. So things change a little bit. And Darnell Mooney's been getting by because we're doing a lot of drag routes. Are we just trying to get, like John said, how many are we going to have a 300-yard game or what? <laughs> and so <laughs> it changes when we want more stats. And that means going downfield. That means you're on an island and can you perform at that higher level. Allen Robinson has been a true number one, 1,000-plus yards, 80-plus catches per season going down the field, um, eight, uh, eight yards per carry, many seasons long. It's a big difference between, like, garbage time versus, like, somewhat competitive football. This is a, a topic that really fascinates me, and I'm going to get Danny Shimman to look at some tape over the last two games on Thursday's episode of Bear Truth at 9 p.m. Central here on the Barroom Network. He's going to analyze how Mooney has done in these last two games without A-Rob against the top uh, uh, defensive backs of the Ravens and then the Lions. Of course, the Lions don't have a lot going uh, in their roster right now, but it is a kind of a – it was a good test to see what he did, and he definitely had explosive moments. And I've been cutting together some tape for that Bare Truth episode, and there were other instances where Andy Dalton did not see – Darnell Mooney wide open in the end zone at one play and wide open over the middle. So uh, his numbers could have been even higher. I mean, over 225 yards in two games, that's pretty incredible. And Chris Watts says, you know, uh, that uh, uh, um, Mooney drops too many passes, but you know, a, a lot of the top receivers do. And yeah, you'd like to see a, sh- a, a sure-handed wide receiver be your number one, 
But I don't know if that is his biggest drawback. I think maybe yeah. just experiences right now. Maybe his 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 uh, physical uh, uh, size is, is a drawback because he could he's get a, hurt. He's, Otto, he's a stud. I like Mooney. He he's an absolute stud. Mooney on another team right now, like Mooney on the Tampa Bay Patriots. Like you put Mooney on any one of those top teams. Put Mooney on the Rams. Oh my God. Like him, imagine him opposite of Cooper Cup, like all those things. Mooney is a talent. He catches the ball. He knows how to get north. He's not afraid to get hit over the middle. Like he, it's a guy you want. We get caught up with the X and the Y and the Z, but at the end of the day, when you want to win a Super Bowl, you're gonna need a, you're gonna need more than one option anyway. Because what happened with Darnell Mooney's double team? Then what? Then it, then it, then it doesn't freaking was, it doesn't freaking matter. And then we go back that we don't have another no more wide receiver again. And so I was just gonna I was just gonna say Tyler to your point with a Rob gone, and I'm I'm honestly I'm predicting that he's gone at the end of the year. You're not gonna go into next year with Darnell Mooney and Marquise Goodwin and Demir's Bird and you know whoever else is, you have on the roster right yeah. now. You gotta bring in somebody, and that's why I think they might bring in someone with a, with some experience. They might bring in a guy that's been in the league for a while to offset that, uh, but they they're gonna they they might have to bring in two guys to to, be, to actually have a, a good wide receiver core. But once again, comes down to what your goals are next year. Are you gonna bring in a veteran guy if you're just shooting to be competitive and you're not, it's a rebuilding year? Maybe not. Maybe you bring in some young guys and see kick the tires on a few guys. But uh, yeah, next year is gonna be interesting because I I do not foresee Allen Robinson on this team next year. Yeah. I, uh, I agree with you, John, on that one. All right, let's move on to our next round, uh, round seven. Round seven. Cole Komet, he was targeted 11 times in the Lions game. Look at this graphic as we scroll down his stats on targets, receptions, and yards gained. It appears there's a trend. The more you throw Komet the ball, the more he produces. As a blocker, Komet is proving to be average, but he's certainly going through a crash course this year on pass and run blocking in the pros. The debate question is this. Is Cole Komet a number one tight end? Can the Bears forsake targeting a top-notch tight end in future off-seasons because Komet is showing signs of upside of being a capable number one? Tyler, start us off. It's inter interesting. Um... I, I, what I don't want to do is spend more top picks on a tight end. Like, like enough is enough, um, especially with Ryan Pace. I like Cole Komet. He's a baller. Um, I'll take it with me in a bar fight. My man is like a, a stack of bricks, like I always said. I've seen some good blocking from him just from um, on some um, on some delayed blitzes. And so, but um, he's a force to be reckoned with. Would you say, Aldo, the more you throw to him, he catches the ball? So, <laughs> what? who would have thought? I think regardless of whether Cole Komet is a number one tight end, the Bears should relax on the second round tight ends for a while. The reason I've been a little sour on Cole Komet is not because of the player, but because of the draft capital that was invested after they had another second round tight end, Adam Shaheen, not work out. Look at the top tight ends in the league. Travis Kelsey, third round pick. George Kittle, fifth round pick in the same draft as Adam Shaheen. Mark Andrews, third round pick. Darren Waller, sixth round pick. I have hope for Cole Komet, and I hope whoever takes over next year actually understands how to utilize him. Hmm. 
What, what do you guys think about what is happening now over the next few games? Because the Bears are s- still mathematically in the playoff hunt, like it or not. And, but do you think that they should start looking at players like Jesper Horstead instead of Jimmy Graham? Tyler? Yes. I mean, throw the ball. I hope somebody catches it. <laughs> But why why would an outgoing and we'll get to this later, but why would an outgoing administration give a crap about that? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's at the end of the day, um, whatever the quarterback it's on the quarterback. It's 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 on the quarterback um who who is he gonna throw to? Because like I haven't seen a bear really scheme somebody open. They know and that's what's so weird about it. They scheme for Allen Robinson when Mitch was here. Never mind, I don't want to go down that road. But anyway, they know, they, they know how to get people the ball. They know how to get people the ball, but for some reason, this doesn't work anymore. But <laughs> I will. I, I like. I like Jester. I like. I like. I like my homeboy. He's he's a great guy, and so. But I, I do want to see what we got. I do want to see what we got. Um, but I do expect the roster to be different next year. And so, Matt, I don't. When you talk about being in it, I don't want my emotions being played with because even if no, why, why, no, I don't care. I want. I, I don't. I want a new coach. Buck Buck says, "Why is Jimmy Graham still on the team? Why the hell is he still on the team? It's exactly the way." I mean, because if you cut him, it's still dead money. So you might as well like dead money. <laughs> dead money is dead money. And he has void years on his contract. They're going to be paying him for the next two years. Yeah, unfortunately. All right, let's move on to round eight. Roquan Smith suffered a hamstring injury against the Lions, so the national TV audience only got a sampling of what Bears fans have seen all season. He's one of the best linebackers in the game. If he misses the Arizona game, his absence could be a disaster. But back to his play. Who is a better inside linebacker in football than Roquan Smith right now? John, have at it. The answer is no one. He's third in the league in tackles behind Denzel Perryman and Bobby Wagner, but he has more sacks than both of them. Plus, he has a pick six. But statistics aside, his sideline-to-sideline game is phenomenal. He has speed. He has strength. He's really the total package when it comes to being an inside linebacker. Plus, he's only 24 years old. He is going to get paid much sooner than later. And he's still flying under the national radar for some reason, but – I have a feeling that's going to change pretty soon. Yup, 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 yup. <laughs> Everything John said. It's, 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 Roku, nobody. First of all, I hope he doesn't rush back. Please take your time. Hamstrings can be iffy with that position. Like John said, sideline to sideline requires a burst and a full um, elongation of the leg and everything. And so I hope Roquan just chills. I think he's in a contract year, so just chill out. I don't want nothing to happen to him. But um, there's nobody playing better than him than me, in my personal opinion. Um, still very young in his in, in his playing days, if you will, below the radar because the Bears aren't winning football games. I mean, mm-hmm. th- those guys get those stats when you start winning divisions and everything. You start to see, okay, who's stopping Aaron Rodgers on third down? That's when those guys start to get noticed on that national stage. And so, but the fact of the matter is, we got to be in those games for those mm-hmm. type of guys to get looks, and we just haven't been in those um, critical moments for the decent to get a, a good look. Yeah, it's a shame that Roquan was overlooked by his own peers in the top 100 football players at the start of the season. He was not voted into the top 100. And so 
he is not only overlooked by the national media, but also among his fellow peers on the football field. And so hopefully that's changing this season. It would be great for him, like you said, Tyler, because it is a contract year and he's going to get paid whether he's recognized or not by his peers. He is going to get paid. <laughs> I don't even know the the, 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 um, the politics on how they come up with the list because from my understanding, they have a certain list and they'll just ask a couple of players. They'll just go to certain people and ask you about these players. And and I don't even know how to come up with it, how, how to exactly do it. But it is, it does seem weird that he doesn't. But he's probably going to jump into the top fifty next year. He should be. He should be sure. like. He should be the top fifty, one hundred. I mean, because like you said, with a, John, like you said, with a, with a pick six and more. And so the more highlights, the more virtual content that the fans that Bears Nation can make. Make your content. Make your videos. Put it on Twitter. I mean, tag Bleach Report. Those things help definitely helped the cause. And so um rooting for that guy. He, he's a beast. And mm-hmm. with him and the way Quinn is playing, like I'm looking it's certain things I'm looking forward to next year, but it relies on the head coach of the offense. Sorry, John. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> All right, fighters, yeah. round nine coming up. In the Bears defensive backfield, no one has had a tougher time in the past few games than Kendall Vildor. On Tuesday of last week, Uh, Defensive coordinator Sean Desai said that Vildor was in a rut. On Thursday, he started Artie Burns over the second-year corner. Should the Bears invest more starting time in Vildor to see what you have in him, or have you seen enough? Tyler, start us off. I mean, it was Artie Burns. I think he was a former first-round pick, if I'm not mistaken. But when, when the game started off on Thanksgiving, you saw Burns getting burnt. I was like, man... Maybe we shouldn't switch around with this position right now. And so, I mean, we, we we knew this was a position of concern before the season started. When we had, like, four DBs, we were like, okay, who's starting opposite of Johnson? And so, I mean, it is honestly, at this point, it doesn't matter. It, it, are we trying Are we trying to win the game? But I, the, you can't argue with more reps for the young guy. If it were me, I would determine which guy has a chance to be part of the future. Vildor turns 24 in two weeks. Artie Burns is 26, like Tyler said, a former first-round pick. But I want to know which guy the jury is still out on. I'm not going to answer this question directly because I, uh, I am not direct, I'm not in the practices. I'm not seeing every rep. But once again, here's the problem. The coaching staff probably isn't concerned with next year or the future. They probably won't be here next year. They don't give a crap about the Chicago Bears after the 2021 season. So why are they going to see what they got for next year when they're not going to be here next year? Yeah, you know, uh, you alluded to that in one of the other portions of the show. And I got to tell you, if they do that, if they are mathematically out of the playoffs and they're not playing some of the young players on this team, then I've got to think that their reputation is going to get a hit, you know, for future employment, for future head coaching jobs, future general manager jobs, and so forth, because that is just, you know, I mean, you've got to come up with a really good explanation as to why you wouldn't want to take a look at a guy like Jesper Horstead, why you wouldn't want to take a look at some of these other guys you've got on the practice squad and you signed for further development. If you're mathematically out, why not take a look at them? That's going to be really weird. 
they don't. I know, but we've talked about what their what their employment endeavors are going to look like anyway. Aldo, and where's where's Matt Nagy going to go? Where they're going to nitpick about whether or not if he goes to college, they're not going to care if he didn't play a rookie or the young guys over the veterans, or they're and Ryan Pace. I don't know if he goes back to scouting or what he goes back to if he loses this job. So I, if they're going to give you the same excuse they always, where they're trying to win the game. Or we got we got a lot of fighters in there. We owe it to our guys to try to win every game. And he's gonna get some more bullcrap, you know, word soup that we get force fed every week. So they're gonna if if they do that, they're gonna have some excuse for it. And it's not like I don't think their resumes could take much more of a hit anyway, especially Matt Nagy. Well, I mean, he's not going to get a head coaching job in the NFL anytime soon. hes I don't know if he's going to get an offensive coordinator job anytime soon, at least one where he'd be in charge of play calling because that has been an utter failure here. No one's going to bring him on to call plays. So I honestly, he, he might be best suited to go down to the college rank where he can do his hooray, rah, rah, let's keep clapping bull crap, and it might work because those guys aren't grown men. They're 18 to 22-year-olds, and that stuff works. And you can do your wide open uh, scheme, and hopefully you get a good recruiting class that can hold the hold a block for 17 seconds. So I'm just I, I think that's that's probably where that where that's where he's at, Aldo. That's where he's at right now. John, John, <laughs> this this is this is why John should be the damn general manager. So <laughs> I've heard that before. Think Some about the thing about the statement that John said, and I just I just can't fathom because. Damn, Ryan Pace needs to share his salary with you, bro. Because look, because <laughs> this is what I'm saying. This is what the point that John just said. That's that I think about this every day. Ryan Pace, who in the NFL would hire your head coach to call plays for them? Nobody. No one. So Nobody. I see your head coach of your football team. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's it's pretty it's pretty simple. If your head coach wouldn't even get a sniff at a play caller position next year, why the hell is he still the most important guy on your coaching staff? Into the injury, the head coach you brought here to fix your offense, nobody will hire to call plays. Why is he coaching your team? Not even the Lake Forest. High school football team, <laughs> bro. Like, yo, sorry, sorry. <laughs> that's a low ball. You supposed to just keep buying jerseys. You supposed to keep buying jerseys and keep retweeting all these stuff. It's really getting annoying. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, let's uh, move on. <laughs> we all know the Detroit Lions are the absolute worst team in the National Football League, maybe in all of sports. But the Chicago Bears may not be too far behind based on what I've seen. Now, there are four teams that have fewer wins than the Chicago Bears have. They are the Jaguars, the Texans, the Jets, and the Seattle Seahawks. Now, are the Bears better than any of these teams? John, you can lead us off with our last question. Well, well, the good thing is we actually get to see the Bears play two of those teams in the Seahawks and the Giants. I don't know if they're better than Seattle. Russell Wilson has been injured. He makes all the difference. He did not look right against Washington. Uh, I'd like to say they're better than those teams, though. The Jets and the Jaguars have rookie quarterbacks that will be forever linked to Justin Fields because they were came in on the same draft class. Uh, but those teams are openly in rebuild years. New head coaches, new quarterbacks, new systems. The Bears supposedly weren't in a rebuild. They better be better than those teams. John, I, I mean, I'm hopeful. I'm a hopeful guy. I don't think we could beat those teams right now, boss. I don't see us <laughs> beating those teams. 
Um, Russell Wilson didn't look like Russell Wilson yesterday. He was like missing wide open guys, and it was weird. But um, the Texans would give us a run. Jacksonville, that defense is physical. Um, the Texans is no slouch. They pick and choose when they want to play ball or not. Um, but they score points. The funny thing is, those teams score touchdowns. That's the difference, guys. <laughs> like they they may have bad records, but those teams are scoring more than twenty one points a game. <laughs> if they lose to the Giants, <laughs> I mean, that's. I mean, I don't know how many more proverbial nails we have to put in the coffin because I think it's pretty much sealed at this point. Uh-huh. But you always ask yourself, how much more embarrassing is it going to get? Like they couldn't, they can't possibly lose to the backup of the Ravens. Yeah, they did. Uh, they can't. They're gonna blow. They're gonna. They're gonna. They're gonna blow the doors off of uh, off of the Lions on Thanksgiving. They almost lost. Uh, so it's like what what depth? Like oh hey, Justin Fields gets a start this week. The Browns had nine sacks. Okay. Uh, so it, like at what point is it just like okay? How many rock bottoms can there be? Because rock bottom insinuates there is nothing underneath that. But Matt Nagy has the sharpest shovel I've ever seen because he seems to find another level lower and lower and lower. Honestly, if he honestly, if if he, if this football thing doesn't work out, he'd be a hell of a coal miner because he's always going to dig just a little bit deeper when it comes to expectations. That's hilarious, guy. That's hilarious. Um, I do got to tell you that you know these two uh, victories over the Detroit Lions were each of them was a gift. I mean, I was at the Soldier Field game, and the Lions repeatedly made mistakes in the red zone where they should have scored touchdowns. They should have beaten the Bears that day. They gifted that game. Now, I don't want to take anything away from the performance of Justin Fields and other Bears who played really well in that game, but that game should have been won by the Detroit Lions at Soldier Field, and the same thing this Thanksgiving. So the Bears could have just – two victories i mean their their biggest win of the season their most convincing one was that game against the cincinnati Bengals. and when was that that was week two, week two. Week two that was it seems so like ago. they've gone downhill since then it's kind of sad it, it seems like that happens with the lions every year though outside of them blowing the, the bears losing to them last year to a backup or a you know interim head coach interim gml that other bs remember deandre swift dropped the pass in the end zone last year the the lions should have swept the Bears last year. The, the the Lions really should have swept the Bears last year, and they and they, it would have been a it would have been the game that kept them out of the playoffs. Blah 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 blah. You can talk. They saw what they started five and one last year. I think we really forget about that because mm-hmm. there was a lot of fool's gold in there. Uh, yeah, sure but, was. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there was there was uh, there was a lot of fluky things that happened last year. And it just seems like when the Bears win, there's like this fluky thing that they, happens for them to win, and especially against the Lions. But like you said. They, they could be a much worse. They could be in the in the realm of those teams you just brought up on that graphic right now. Hey, yeah. I feel better. I feel. I just. I just realized. Like, look at the schedule real quick. We got the Cardinals and the Packers. I'm happy, John. I don't got to say nothing. Just watch the game. Just watch the. Everybody watch the game. I will all the reporters just watch the game because yo, because <laughs> it's it's a win win. If we beat those teams, wow, that's awesome, incredible. Didn't see it coming. But if we get destroyed, yo, is it John? What's the goal here? To win a ring, right? We want to go Super Bowl. We want to win the NFC. We want to win the division. Yo, how do we not get this coach in Arizona? When did when did he get there? Who's that coach? Who's that guy? <laughs> like, how the hell? How do we miss out on him? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you can say that about any coach. The, like, the Bears, the Bears have missed out on every coach. Come on. Could have had Arians. Got could have got Arians. Got Tressman. 
like out for like three games with an ankle injury and Cole McCoy. 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 Yeah. Come on. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? It's not, it's a system in place, bro. Like, yo, what we got to do? What we got to do? I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's sad because. Well, we got how many? How many games they got left? Six games left, or something of that it's, nature. So, it's so the last third of the season. So it's yeah, it seven, yeah. six or seven. Yeah. yeah. So they're what? They're they're four and seven. They're eleven. That's eleven games. They play seventeen games. There's six games left. Look, we can do math here on the Barroom Network. And so, <laughs> <You can. laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it's sad with six games left. We like I have a this a feeling that not just our show, but all shows that were related to the Chicago Bears are just going to be talking about next year. There's a third of the season left, and every show, the only thing you can talk about is next year. Despite the fact they're in the hunt, there's either you, they, they, there's, they're not. They're not. So you, all you can do is talk about next year, and that sucks. That sucks that you got a 30% of the season left, and you can only talk about next year. And it, it seems like it happens too often in Chicago. Yep. All right, guys. Uh, I think we did pretty good after having this extended break, and uh, you guys really brought it. Lots of great insight. Uh, I want to know what uh, you got going on. Tyler, why don't we begin with you? Oh, man. Um, at the Barroom Network, there's always something amazing happening. And one of the things coming up that we're truly excited about, December 11th, um, I, I believe the start time is 2 p.m. Central. From 2 p.m. Central to 5 p.m. Central, um, we're going to be doing a live auction fundraiser for the Mombasa Relief Initiative. Um, we're going to be auctioning off some art pieces. We're going to be having some artists perform. And we're going to be, all proceeds will be going to the children of Mombasa. Um, big shout out to um, my brother, um, Joe Mando. And we got the um, presidents, um, Don Harris and um, Mr. Kevin Bledsoe. And it's going to be truly, I believe, one of the first fundraiser, live fundraiser events at the network because at the barroom network bigger than sports, but we're, we're impact. I'm um, not just in, um, in many aspects of life. And so John started it off when, um, when, when they, when they did pass the mic and when they did all these awesome shows, just showing the outreach. And that's what we're about here at the, at the network. Um, it's, it's about what we can do when we come together. Um, we all have a passion for sports, but when we take that love for the game and we can apply that to sharing resources, with people who don't have the same blessing that we've had, that's when we truly become better than um, what we get to watch on TV. And so Aldo, that's something that I'm truly, truly excited about. Anything that I can do to honor um, my father. This was um, what, what this is what my dad spent like the last like 15 years of his life doing. And um, I'm truly blessed to be a small piece of it. And I'm truly grateful for the Barroom Network. Thank you, Aldo, for allowing us to um, to put this on live on the network for sure. And um, everything and everything that going on with the network. Um, there's a lot of awesome things coming. Many blessings, happy holidays, and um, yeah, go Cardinals. Oh, Bears, excuse me. Go Bears. <laughs> <laughs> and make sure you visit uh, MombasaRelief.org and see how you can help out uh, that organization. It is truly fantastic the work they do there. And when you visit the site, you'll get uh, all the details on the tremendous work that they're doing. John, I know that's a tough act to follow, but uh, yeah, you always stage. put me. You always put me after him, and I just, I just sound like a superficial jackass because I'm here pumping my own stuff. He's helping next, everybody in the world. I'm telling people to listen to my podcast. Yeah, okay. Next so. time he's gonna go last, and then he can yeah. <laughs> but but uh, everything, everything Tyler said, absolutely, yeah, great stuff there. 
but uh, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And and we got a lot of great Bears programming. I know that we always dump on them and we, we're, uh, we're sometimes curmudgeon but you know we love them. We love the Chicago Bears. And we got fresh content for you almost every day. We got this show on Tuesdays. But Phone 55 will be breaking down that Cardinals matchup. We'll get uh, the inside look to see if Kyler Murray's actually going to play, if Colt McCoy's going to be taking snaps. We'll see what the dynamic is, if Kyler's 100%, what the Bears can expect on defense. We'll do all that tomorrow on Buffon 55. Uh, also, make sure you pay attention to the post-game show, Bear Football, Tyler Ellis, Aldo, and myself. Yeah. Give me a raw reaction. If you, think, if you think we get angry on this show, you should see us on Bear Football. Also, as Aldo talked about, Greg Gabriel always breaking down the matchup on Mondays. Mike North, you know that's always entertaining. Danny Shimon, X's and O's, tapes extraordinaire. You're going to want to see that on Thursday on the Barroom Network. Dan and Aldo always bearing their soul with a lot of great content there. Great shows across the board, and it's still Chicago Bulls season. That's a, that's a promising season that you can be listening to all the programming here on the Barroom Network. I am officially I officially threw my hat into the ring. I am now a Chicago Bulls fan. I was always a free agent when it came to NBA teams. I grew up in Pittsburgh where there is no professional team. I have thrown all my support behind the Chicago Bulls. Bulls Nation, see red. I'm all in. I'm all in. So join me and listen to all the bear, all the Bulls content, all the Bears content right here on the Barroom Network. Aldo, take us home. All right. I, I think you guys said it all. I'll just end the show by saying Dan Aguirre and myself will be here in less than 60 minutes with the Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls. We've got a really good show planned for you. So hopefully you can stick around and let people know about what we're doing here at the Barroom Network. And the best way to keep track of what we're doing is to subscribe to the YouTube channel and also to all, all our audio podcasts. It can be delivered free to whatever device you want just look for barroom network on itunes podbean spotify you'll find us there all right everybody thanks for a lot for watching this episode of the bear debate these guys did great as expected we'll see you next week